Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Focus Seacast. I'm your host, Focus, and today I'm once again talking with Brian Pike of High Ground Ganja. Brian was on episode 1 talking about his other farming enterprise, High Ground Gardens, where he grows vegetable and herb seed. In this episode, we dive into his experience breeding and growing cannabis. We also talk a little bit about the future of the cannabis industry and community. Without further delay, here's Brian. How's it going, Brian? We're, we're recording. Doing good, doing good. Enjoying some fresh Colorado powder up here. I'm getting ready to go out tomorrow and get my first day out on the mountain at Wolf Creek. Gonna take my boy up, show him the mountain. He's acting a little scared, you know, two feet of fresh powder. And uh, he was opting for the smaller mountain, but I'm saying, no, you're a man now. We're gonna go to the mountain. So pretty excited about that. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I've been actually doing some snowshoeing this year, which has been uh, interesting. I haven't done that. Before. Yeah, I like, saw that. That got me excited. We snowshoe all the time. We, we as soon as the snow starts, we pack down a track and just we call it the ice sidewalk. Nice, nice. You know, everybody's <laughs> like, hey, "Oh, you guys are the guys that do this." And we're like, "Oh, hell yeah, we do this every day, every season. We just we love getting out and getting out and seeing what's going on out there. Got to see some nice." Uh, uh, our, uh, deer kills from mountain lions and stuff. That's always exciting. Yeah, see what the the animals are up to. Yeah, I'm always checking out the deer tracks, and it's always quiet out there too, which is nice. It's always yeah, yeah, especially late. At, like, I I'll go in the evening too. That way, I don't have to wake up super uh-huh. early. I'll, like you know, four thirty, five o'clock. I'll just do a little loop around the back backwoods, and yeah, it's it's good good way to end the day. Uh huh. But um, yeah, so, we yeah. love the same same way. We just get out our headlights and just go get after it. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's um, what I'm doing today, getting ready for snowboarding. Nice. So let's get into uh, how you got into the to the cannabis scene. How how did you first experience the plant? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, I was um, you know, I I grew up uh, kind of adverse to cannabis. I was exposed to it as a kid and some negative exposure through the family and stuff, and I. I felt like it was a bad thing. So I kind of stayed away from it for quite a while. I tried it the first time when I was 14 years old. Nothing really happened. I didn't think much about it. A few, few years passed. And then when I was uh, 17, I started trying it again and actually found out that it wasn't that bad. And I actually really liked it. And of course, the issue was always finding, you know, cannabis. I'm talking 30 years ago now. So. So, you know, it didn't take me long at all to figure out growing for myself. So, uh, you know, then the outdoor thing, I mean, the indoor thing wasn't even on the radar back then, not for me. So it was uh, outdoor gorilla and I just started uh, in a kind of an empty lot, empty field next to my parents' house in upstate New York. And, uh, just uh started i can't even remember where i got the seed i'm sure it was just bag seed you know we were getting some pretty nice uh i believe it was jamaican coming up through new york city and uh just started there and uh i had a semi-successful summer the year i was 18 and got me really enthused and i just kept uh growing every year and learning as i went and sharing it with friends and and uh, we kind of all pulled our experience and knowledge and helped each other figure stuff out. And uh, that's kind of the start of it, you know, and uh, it was pretty uh, innocent and awesome. And uh, it was just, a, you know, a, a small supplement and just started really getting in touch with the plants and uh, the responsiveness of the plants. And that kind of led me back to uh, my, uh, how can I say it? My forgotten love for all things that grow. So, you know, it kind of brought me back to vegetables. And then I uh, just really got into the vegetables and started growing vegetables. And the cannabis thing just kept snowballing. And uh, it wasn't too long. I started dabbling with indoor, with, uh, you know, the really uh, rudimentary technology back then, which, you know, what was my first lamp? It was an HID. It was a metal halide. It was a small one. I think it was a 400. 
and uh, you know, had a couple close calls figuring out the the that whole paradigm and the dynamic. Uh, of course, then it wasn't uh, an issue of growing things; it was an issue of um, not getting caught growing things. So, so I had some closet grows that got pretty uh, hot, and I had some fast shutdowns. I had a lot of fun playing all those games, but. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I started just in a nutshell. Nice. So, um, do you remember any of the, what are some early strains that you used to grow? Do you remember anything that like really stood out? Um, you know, what really stands out to me is a lot of Northern lights, you know, that's what I, you know, I spent time in uh, New York state and around there, it was a lot of like Island stuff coming up, you know, through the city and stuff. It was uh, a lot of Colombian and Jamaican type stuff, a lot of island stuff. And oh, the big thing at the time was the KGB, the kind green bud. And I don't know where that, that might've been coming out of Vermont for all I know, or probably upstate New York. You know, I had some friends that turned me on to some, some how they were producing the KGB in upstate New York. That was pretty exciting. You know, it was just like, um, power line right of ways and you know four-wheeler trails and it was pretty adventurous and uh but i uh i left new york state and went to seattle and lived in seattle for a while and in seattle it was definitely northern lights is what i remember there that was the rage that's what seemed like everything was based on northern lights and uh i mean i'm talking before beasters even really okay yeah, yeah, yeah well, no, like way back <laughs> i would say the northern lights are coming back around so i know a lot of people who are who are working with it again so it's, it's yeah it's, i mean all the old stuff is awesome i love it you know um i i'd be happy just working with the old stuff you know a lot of the new hype stuff now you know it's neat and a lot of ways the um the structure and the effect and a lot of stuff has like been really well developed, but the, the roots all comes from the old stuff. So, you know, I, I feel like around a lot of the new stuff, it's like 50% the plant itself and then like 50% the hype it takes to move it. So I'm not so much into the hype, you know, I'm just like really into plants. If you got a solid plant, it's going to move itself. It's going to, you know, people are going to appreciate it for what it is. Um, so, so anything that I, um, develop as far as plant genetics or any way to share plant genetics with people, like not interested in hype at all. For me, it's like what I got is what I got. It is what it is. You look it, you like it, you don't you know, there's plenty of other stuff to try. Um, I feel that way across the board with pretty much anything that grows, if it performs well, if you can like develop a relationship with it and then you get it. And if not, then you can find somebody that you can, you know, somebody or some other plant that, that you can support that you can get. There's just so the, the market's like blown so wide open right now that, uh, you know, everybody's got an opinion and everybody's opinion is important. So I just try to uh, base all my opinions on, you know, experience and, uh, you know, living. So that's, you know, that's all I got. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Everything's so visual these days. And it's like, that's only a very small portion that, of, of what it is. That you know? is so cool that you said that. That's yeah. so cool. You said that because that is, it's like this two dimensional, this visual two dimension thing where it's like, yeah, it's just a small part of it. You know, it's, um, people are asking me what I like about a plant or how I like to breed plants. It's like, well, my roots are in the outdoor and, you know, I've been in Colorado for 20, 25 years. So high altitude, high altitude, if you don't have plant structure, I mean, I, I'm not looking to run like a huge uh, plant babysitting operation. I want a plant that is strong, performs, takes the weather, you know, takes all the weather, the cold, the wind, the snow, you know, and uh, a plant with structure can do all that. Um, I feel like it's pretty, 
important to get the structure bred into a plant early in the program. And then, you know, the flavors and the, the flower uh, expressions themselves, that's a little easier to mani mani manipulate down the line. But if you don't have the structure in there, that's, that's a little harder to get into a plant later down the line, you know, when you're working up with something. So that's kind of been my MO for how I do things is I look for, for those trailed hardiness traits structure, you know, that's where it all starts for me. I mean, because, um, you know, that's been another thing that's changed over the years is, uh, people growing huge plants and, you know, so let me preface this a little bit. It, it's totally common, like in, you know, the Emerald triangle to grow huge plants. Cause that's like a perfect environment for huge plants, but anywhere else in the country, pretty much huge plants are like, uh, a babysitting proposition, you know, where you got huge plants that take a lot of extra care and attention and, you know, strapping and netting and all this stuff. You got to, you know, wrap every, uh, branch crotch and all this stuff where, you know, coming from a gorilla state of mind, it's like, you know, rather than grow one five pound plant, which is quite a feat at high altitude, if you're not in a greenhouse anyways, um, well, hell, even a, a one or two pound plant in some instances up here is a big deal, but I would just rather grow 10 half pound plants that are self-maintaining, don't require a ton of maintenance and that's the thing, you know, now, of course, with the plant count things, everybody wants to, you know, not grow, you know, 10 plants because they can only grow six or whatever. So I see the utility in getting bigger plants that way. But I also come from a place, uh, you know, from the gorilla mindset, the old school where, um, you know, if it's just between me and the creator and no one else knows about it, that's how we do it, you know, so. So that's kind of my, my thought on, on that. Yeah. So well, that's, that's a good way to, we can start talking about some specifics then. So you mentioned you're in Colorado and I know you gave a little bit of background before on your growing conditions, but for anyone who hasn't, who didn't listen to the first episode kind of, so what are you dealing with as far as climate and, you know, elevation? And then how does that relate to the yeah, so just a little right? preface, just a little preface from the first position. I'm not going to be the salty bastard on this one. We're going to talk about <laughs> cannabis. We're going to dive a little bit here. So I've decided to, to share. I'm coming out of the closet. So in Colorado, um, uh, my, my growing situation in Colorado spans um, 25 years now, easily. And uh, most all of this has happened above 7,000 feet and sometimes as high as 9,000 feet. So that, uh, you know, that right there pretty much entails like a 90 day season, you know, minimum and sometimes maximum, you know, sometimes our sweet, our seasons, depending on what's happening in the spring and fall, um, can swing out, you know, from 90 to, 120 days, you know, that'd be a really nice season. Um, I haven't seen too many seasons past 120 days outdoors. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what, what I'm looking at, which is pretty severe. And, uh, you know, when I see a lot of uh, people that are growing in, you know, zone five or six and up, it's, I have to check myself to not get jealous, you know, but, um, a part of, uh, you know, an opposite side of that is that I generally don't have a lot of pest issues, you know, bugs and uh, diseases like that. Um, generally, our winters are cold enough to kill out most things. Now, these few seasons, these last few winters have been a little different where it's been mild enough that we've been seeing pressures that were unprecedented. But um, I'm hoping that we'll see a swing back to a little bit more of normal, but at the same time, I don't think there isn't any normal anymore. So um, it's just, we're just going to see what happens. Things, uh, things seem to be changing a little bit as far as patterns and seasons and even pressures and um, the way that uh, rodents and the animals are reacting to the changes. So, 
I think that going forward, just being like really flexible and dynamic and aware, being able to see what's in front of us is the key to being able to move forward. You know, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's helpful to have a lot of experience and knowledge um, in growing, but it's also um, imperative to just be able to see what you're looking at. If you can see what you're looking at, then, you know, you can figure out most things. And that's, I think that's the paradigm that we're moving into now with all the weather shifts and the crazy climate stuff is we're going into things that um, I haven't seen in my lifetime. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it's it'd be interesting to take that idea into an intergenerational conversation with older people. You know, I know my grandfather was a lifelong farmer and he started talking to me about climate change in 1987 and how he was seeing that. So, so if you've got eyes, you can see, and, uh, and, and, uh, that's, I'd say that's probably 80% of, of growing and farming is just being able to see what you're looking at without imprinting our ideas on it until we can experience it. And then we move dynamically from that space. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think you're right too, with the whole, you know, California mindset, I guess you can call it or the West coast mindset when cannabis has been grown, you know, majority of the cannabis in this country has been grown for so long. You know, I, I still find people who like you talk to them about an auto flower and they're like, Oh, they're garbage. And it's like, we're are you living under a rock dude. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, it's, I'm really it's not... excited. I'm really excited about auto flowers. I'm excited to have my mind changed about autoflowers. Yeah. Because I tried autoflowers in 2012, 2013. I worked with them till about 2015. And I still got a lot of that work in the vault. And and I want to like pull it out again. But I'm more excited about not, not pulling that work out and just starting with where the, the body of work is now outside of what I've done with what, you know, like that sour maiden you sent me. I'm pretty excited to see what you did there. Because I, I got, I got pretty, uh, I got a little poo pooed on the auto flower thing. I, you know, it, it's just something that's taken a lot of time, but the utility of it is what's exciting, you know, especially for people in super short, extreme climate seasons, like, you know, and to be able to have something that you could run and like diversify your season. You have, you know, something come in early, something come in mid and something come in late. I mean, that just spreads our workload at the end of the season. I mean, that's just, that that's the only way you can really make it work. You don't want your whole crop to come in all at once. I mean, most people don't. I mean, the, the level of work and input and labor that that takes is, that, that can be a game breaker for a lot of small farms. So so what auto flowers and fam autos could bring to the table, um, I'm, I'm excited to see. And, you know, I haven't done my due diligence there yet, but um, I want to see my mind get changed about that. Yeah. And I, I you know, I'll, I'll give the caveat that they're still not where the photo periods are overall, but even, even photo periods too. I think this next, this next couple of years, there's going to be a lot of really good varieties coming out. I think um, that are going to be more focused on specific, you know, whether it's uh, region, regional growing or a specific cannabinoid or terpene profile, or, you know, what am I doing with this? Is it being used for extracts for flour? What kind of extracts, like all that's going to be starting to settle out in the next, next couple of years. Well, now it's kind of, you know, we're still working with, you know, whatever we kind of had, you know and yeah it's kind of like the market is defining itself now where you know back in the 90s or early 2000s like if you had you know kind green bud that's what it was it was kind green bud you could get you know you could get your price per pound it was no big deal where now it's like you just said it what are you doing with it? are you extracting is it flour for smoking i mean there's all these different market avenues that it's uh yeah, it's, 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 uh, the plant is going to morph. It, it, it has morphed. It is morphing. It's happening now. You know, we're selecting for things that we never thought of 10 years ago, 20 years ago. 
Yeah, definitely. So with that, with that in mind, what do you, where did you kind of start with your breeding and, and like, what are you looking for specifically? What are some of your goals and traits that you look for? Well, where did I start with, you know, um, I obviously wanted my own stock to support my gorilla work, you know, which was uh, providing medicine for my friends and family and my, you know, my lifestyle and my livelihood. And, you know, back when that all started, it was pretty hard to come by that. Uh, you know, you really had to have some strong connections and, you know, you kind of had to have yourself together to deal with all that. Um, you know, I can't, I don't even want to think about how many really, uh, great strains I've lost to the uh, constabulary over the years, but um, so I started uh, breeding my own stock to support my own endeavors. So that's where it all started for me. It was, uh, you know, producing my own seeds so that I could produce my flower the next season and the next season. And it just started with that humble beginning where um, I just started producing the seed because I needed it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't till I was, uh, you know, I don't think I did my first mail order acquisition of seeds until I'd been growing for 10 or 10 or 15 years, you know, I mean, I started, uh, one of my first seed orders came from Vancouver from the Mark Emery seed bank. And, uh, yeah, so, so, so what would I select for? I'd obviously select for the traits I liked, you know, uh, the terpene profiles, the, the flower structure, uh, obviously I already said it plant structure. I think, uh, plant structure is pretty important to me as, um, as a cannabis breeder, but also just as a plant person, I think plant structure is like one of the, uh, foundational building blocks of, of any plant, especially in extreme climates. So you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of what guided me. And, and of course, I devoured all the literature I could find, um, which back when I started wasn't so much on the internet. You know, it was all through books, magazines. Um, I read every Bible I could get my hands on. I reread it. I reread it. Um, I think I own just about every cannabis Bible that's ever been published. And, uh, and I'm proud of that too. It's like my little library. That's where I come from. Of course, now it's so easy to gain access to information and knowledge on the web, which is really awesome. But uh, it, it, you also have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. I mean, it helps to have awareness around what you're um, digesting that way, because not necessarily everything comes from experience in, in those realms. So but once you have a good understanding of just general plants and uh, breeding and stuff, it's pretty easy to, to find what you're looking for and what you're not, you know, a lot of the, what, what do they call it? Bro science. Yeah. I love bro science. So. The bro science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let's, let's talk about some of the varieties that you've been working on. So obviously you're, you're trying to grow for a pretty, pretty specific and extreme climate, as you're saying, I know, one of your projects has been Alien Girl. So I don't know if you want to talk about her at all. Oh, yeah. Alien Girl. <clears throat> so let's see. The Alien Girl. Um, so one magazine that I really got into over the years was Skunk Magazine. And I, I digested everything that the Rev put out. I supported his books and all that. Um, and I started acquiring his gear and uh the uh dirty girl was a part of the the alien girl and so the beginning of the alien girl was the uh i came across something called the uh purple urkel diesel afghani it was purple urkel crossed by diesel afghani um this strain came to me from a really good friend who i owned property with and it came to him from a well-known traveler in the 90s and that's all I'm going to say about that do your research and uh, um, 
so I took that and I crossed the purple Urkel diesel Afghani to the dirty girl. And the dirty girl is uh, the Rev's work. That's uh, kingdom organic seeds. And that strain consists of the Arcata lemon wreck crossed by Cinderella 99. Cinderella 99 brings uniformity and stability to anything it's in. So that is a great foundational building block for any aspiring breeder. If you can find a C99 or C99 cross, that's a good place to start for anything. Um, so I crossed that. God, I can't remember. If I should have written the lineage down before I started trying to say this. But I crossed the uh, Purple Urkel Diesel Afghani by the Dirty Girl. And that created the Urkel Girl. Okay. So I took the Urkel Girl and she became my flagship um, strain. I got used to her. I got used to her needs, her expressions. I got uh, really acquainted with her and I used her pretty much as my base cross for everything that I'd done after that point. You know, I, I think that uh, when you get used to a plant and what to expect and you start, you, you know, one side of the cross, it's really useful to have that kind of base reference to work from. And that's kind of how the, the Urkel girl became that for me. So I have a ton of Urkel girl crosses and I took the Urkel girl and I think it was about 2015, 2016. Uh, I had a friend come back in my life who I hadn't seen for quite a while. And they told me they had something for me and it was all I would ever need. And I don't know anything about it. I assume it probably comes from alien labs. I don't know, but it was the purple alien rock candy. Uh, they gave me a cut of that and they gave me a cut of the banana tangy. And I took the purple alien rock candy and I crossed it to the Urkel girl. And that was the beginning of the alien girl right there. And I've grown that in every situation I could think of indoors, outdoors, um, personal production, commercial production. Um, just got really used to it, really loved the, the structure of the plant, uh, really liked the, uh, the sativa-ness of it, but still with the finishing and uh, um, endurance attributes of the indica side of it, uh, it just worked really well no matter where I used it. So I... Um, I was really resistant to the feminized seed process because I came from the traditional school of thought around breeding where fems were the end of everything and all that. But I uh, decided about three years ago, I think it was like 18, I did my first fem run with the Urkel girl. I knew her so well. Um, I, I wasn't going to get into fems. I wanted to do a, uh, tissue culture to hold a lot of my work in stasis and do that. And I was just so busy. I couldn't figure out how to make the time to do it. I had most of the equipment to do it. I dabbled with it a little bit. And then as a, as a preservation move, I decided to do the femme technique and feminize the alien girl. And uh, I did that and I was really happy with that and really happy with it just in so much as um, preserving the strain work that I'd done up to that point and being able to have something that's close to pull out for a clone only, you know, for in the future, if I wanted to pull up that, uh, that alien girl again, I can find it in that S1 line. Um, now I maybe wouldn't necessarily want to breed with it. I I'm not there yet. I, I still think that fems are fems and regs are regs. Um, as far as crossing thumbs into reg lines, I, I don't think I'm going to do that, but this was solely a preservation move. Um, so that's in a nutshell, that's where the alien girl originated and kind of how I came to that. And, and for now the end game with the alien girl was just that femme process, which 
I've been pretty uh, happy with what came out of that that project. It's been really cool to see, um, and I'm excited to see it more. You know, so far I haven't ran into any herms in line. Um, I'm seeing about a 30% purple expression most of the time, and uh, really strong structure in the plants. Does really well outdoors. Um, finishes on time up high. You know, generally by like you know the second of October or so. Um, for me, there's something about the second of October that's been like the target date for 25 plus years, man. The, you know, if you can bring your plants in at high altitude around the second of October, you know, there's some years where we'd get shut down in the last week of uh, September, but most of the times I'd always be shooting for finishing by the second of October, and then having a, a plant that's uh, finishing up its its profile and everything by then. So, yeah, alien grow. Nice. Yeah, I can't wait to grow that outside. So, and, I, and I'm really looking forward to finding one of the purple phenos too. I love, I always love when he gets some, something with a little yeah. bit of purple or color in it. And yeah, I love it. There, there is a small, a bit of some freak show stuff happening in there. And I, I, I use the, the term freak show very loosely and lightly. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it throws some outliers here and there, but generally everything it throws is pretty desirable. I've been pretty happy with it, but I, I have not yet seen any herms in it. And uh, yeah, so we'll see where that goes. And along those lines, I'm, I'm pretty excited to keep working with the FEMS and, and to do more FEMS of my work, of the things that I've bred. And, uh, you know, for the preservation potential but also to be able to share because that's what everybody seems to want right now that um there's a lot of people that want to you know hunt through regs and do that work and that's that's noble and that's highly respectable but there's a lot of people that just want female plants and i get that now where you know five ten years ago i didn't get that so much i didn't understand why you wouldn't all just do the work you know call your mails, you know, run double your numbers to call your mails down. But I get it now, especially with the number system and the way the whole compliance system has worked. It, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, there's something that's happening right now. It feels like in the, the uh, I don't want to say the industry, but the culture is that there's a whole homegrown culture that's coming up that man, we couldn't really, I mean, for you to be a part of the homegrown culture 10 or 20 years ago, the buy-in was huge. You had to be willing to lose all your assets, your family. Like it was stupid. I mean, you had to be pretty selfish to be able to do it. Now it's, it's pretty attainable for anybody that really wants to dabble, which is awesome because the, the cannabis plant has something for everybody. I mean, all use is medicinal. That's, that's my viewpoint. It's like, if you're using cannabis, you're getting medicine, whether you know it or not. She's doing things for you. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I completely agree with that. Um, all the events that I've been doing, the, my number one request is for, um, is for fem seeds that everyone always asks me, what I, what do you have for fems? I'll show somebody, you know, flower from a regs line. That's really nice. And they like the flower, but they're like, Oh, do you have a fem of that? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, eh, never mind. So yeah, it's, it's really, yeah, the it's, future of the, the future of the home grow, uh, evolution, culture evolution. It seems to be fems. And like you were saying earlier, it's probably gonna be to some degrees auto fems here soon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's another thing too, is, is, you know, auto fems. I mean, so the, so the seeds I gave you of that sour maiden, those are done in like 65 days. The plants get maybe a couple feet tall. Uh, you know, I grow them in pots. So I haven't, I haven't tested that outdoors in like a, you know, pretty open area, but um, yeah, it's, it's just totally different than what people would normally deal with. You know, you, you're not growing this plant for you know eight weeks vegging it or you know germinating it vegging it then you know trying to flower it for another you know eight weeks or whatever so yeah, yeah it's just and well, yeah i'll torture it i'll run it this season outdoors i'll see what it's capable of and you know it'll be a nice uh early season smoke test 
you know, before everything else is getting finished up, see what it comes in with. And But yeah, so let's go uh, maybe talk about some of your other projects. What else are you currently working on as far as cannabis? Um, if you maybe, I don't know if you want to talk about doing like some CBD or hemp as well, or whatever you got going on. Um, yeah. You know, I spent the last two years dabbling with hemp. Um, I worked for a, a an outfit that uh, an upstart hemp company, and uh, uh, I came on with this company to do uh, genetics uh, development. And uh, you know, it's probably pretty common just to get uh, swept up in all the stuff that's happening with any upstart company. And uh, I never really got there with the company. Uh, but the whole time I was with them, I put all my focus outside of that uh, company and job into hemp. So for two plus solid years, I really got after it with the hemp, um, doing everything I could, just uh, pouring the gas on full full power. Um, I had a pretty good size, uh, personal little breeding lab going and uh and then in concert running stuff outdoors at the same time and uh i was pretty happy with some stuff that came out of that you know the biggest thing that came out of it for me was just that most all hemp still lies in the sativa realm you know and that's pretty straightforward and easy to see um with my elevation and stuff and and my growing conditions for outdoors i was really um looking for some indica leaning structure and uh, plant structure and flower structure and uh, durability for wind and whatnot and um, you know sodic soil conditions and stuff like that and I I was pretty happy to be introduced to the Trump one uh, that really uh, opened up a lot for me and I started working crosses with the Trump one and uh, I was pretty happy with uh, that uh, Trump one cross that I shared with you. Uh, I ran that in 2020 outdoors at 7,500 feet in a field culture situation. Uh, pretty minimal inputs, just really wanted to see what the plants do and handle on their own. And I was pretty blown away. I put it up against uh, five of the hemp, uh, uh, hemp industry uh, standard cultivars and uh, I was pretty happy just to see how it did in comparison to what was the industry standard um, it outperformed them in every way I mean the hemp industry is just getting started and uh, which is funny to say because it, it really started happening around 2015-16 but as far as the, the plant development like it's still in its infant stages, I was exposed to uh, a field of uh, dual purpose hemp through this company that I was working with, dual purpose being CBD and grain for food production, the grain being the seed. And uh, this variety was called the A2. And I couldn't find out a lot of information on it. It was being grown in circle culture uh, under pivots, and there was quite a bit of it around as far as the history of it, it sounded like it was something that someone probably at some point found in a ditch somewhere, um, maybe in eastern or northeastern Colorado, I'm thinking. But I was really into this A2 because it delivered. I mean, it was hardy. It was strong. I mean, you could direct seed it. Like, you could treat it like a regular crop. I mean, that right there was like, I was like, oh, there's my go-to. I, I need to cross the Trump one with that. And I did that and started that whole process. And I was pretty, uh, pretty happy with that. And then uh, the seed that I shared with you was my first back cross of that project where I back crossed the uh, Trump one by a two back to the Trump one to really stand hard on that, the, the durability of the Trump one and all the indica leaning traits that it shared. And uh, I was really happy with it uh, in the field trials I did last year. Um, I'm really excited to see what you come up with that, um, especially in such a different environment, you know, with a longer season and 
you know, uh, more humidity and stuff. It'll be interesting to see how it expresses. Yeah, but, yeah, um, definitely. Because um, that's yeah, we've I mean, we found the same thing that like, you know, like we were saying before, everything being from California and the West Coast, it's it's just completely different trying to grow it in a field in in New England. Yeah, it just you know, <laughs> just takes a season or three for things to adapt to their new home, you know, and yeah. <laughs> takes the patience to like let them do that, you know, and and to suffer a little bit of production loss while things are getting situated. Um, but, um, you know, the other thing that I did in this time that I was working so much with the hemp is I did, um, a lot of outcrosses with any hemp I was working on into cannabis lines for type two crosses. And I think that in the future, I think type two is going to be, um, one of the new waves that are going to be coming at us because, um, as far as like full spectrum plants, like, um, yeah, that's where it's at. That's where it's at for me. Um, there's some breeding work that I've done that uh, it's, you know, I, I I hit on some of this probably in like 2015 or so, 2014. I started, it was my first exposure to analytics and being able to use analytics. And, you know, before being able to use analytics, there was really no way to track the CBD side of things. So, a lot of stuff would be just called out, straight up called out. Um, but then being able to see a little bit through analytics, um, well, what actually led me to the, led me to the analytics was the way the plants were making me feel. I had this one particular project that was uh, um, a train wreck across uh, the trainberry, and it was presenting this uh, effect in high type that was just, it just killed me every time. I, I so loved it. Like if I had some flower of this, um, I couldn't stop smoking it until it was all gone. And I, and that was my indicator that there was something s extremely special. Cause when I had that, I would smoke it until it was gone. I couldn't save it. I couldn't, you know, I, I would like give it to people to be like, here, hold on to this for me because, <laughs> and then when I had the first time I had it tested, um, I was looking to partner up for uh, a recreational operation or a medical operation at the time. And I gave them a sample of that to show them some of my work. And they laughed at me and told me they had it analyzed under their license through an analytics lab. And they said that they couldn't work with anything that was less than 20%. The analytics on this thing were 18% THC and 6% CBD. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's where the future is going to lie is these different combinations of CBD and THC and other things that, you know, that I don't know about yet. I'm sure people in the game are starting to figure out the, I've, you know, I've, I've seen a little bit of talk about some of these new constituents, but I think that's the new wave, you know, full spectrum all the way, different variable variations and intermixes of full spectrum medicine, you know. No joke, yeah. this plant evolved with us for so long that thinking that we can take it down to one, you know, element, which is such a pharmaceutical mindset. No, no, we're talking holistics here, man. Like this is a, this is a living being that evolved beside us. Did we evolve this plant or did this plant evolve us? Good question. Who knows? I mean, that's, that's what's coming at us is type two crosses. So that's pretty exciting. So for the last, you know, while I did all these hemp projects in the two years that I was doing them, I was crossing out, crossing everything I could with cannabis, because if I had a favorite cannabis strain, I just figured that's it. You know, that's uh, more to hunt down the line. You know, um, I haven't really started hunting too much with all that because the analytics, you know, is still something that I haven't totally figured out. I mean, it's a little bit pricey. I'm you know, waiting for a, a home analytics solution, you know, this like purple scientific kind of ideas, you know, like something where it's attainable for anybody, you know, and you don't have to, you know, necessarily carry a license to get analytics, you know, just for the record, all my growing has been done under my home growing state, home growing laws, you know, never broke a plant count in my life. So <laughs> no, no, none of us ever have. Oh, I don't know. Why would you do that? 
but uh, no, yeah, I, I totally agree with you with the type two. Um, a lot of information that's been coming out from places that have been have that have had uh, recreational and and you know medicinal for a long time is is it's starting to the numbers are starting to say that people enjoy you know lower THC, higher CB, CBD, but some mixture of the two of them, not just you know one or the other to the max. Um, and that's just it's very rare to find. These yeah, days, I agree. You know? I mean, I, rather than having like a high 20 percentile indica, I would rather have like a, a high teen percentile uh, sativa with a, a higher percentage of CB, CBD. Um, I would rather get the edgy effect from the sativa side personally than the indica side. Like the edginess that comes from the, the 30 plus percent THC, I've, I'm not so much interested in that. I, that's not the kind of medicine that I need. And I'm not saying that people don't need that medicine, but if I needed that kind of medicine, I would probably look to concentrates for that myself, because then I could take the um, flavor and terpene profiles that I enjoy and just concentrate the strength and get what I want. And that's pretty much how I've always done it. I mean, I love traditional dry sift, like hash, like you know, I've never gotten too much into shatter, all those concentrates. I just, if I can uh, dry sift my flowers, that's plenty for me. Just a little keef on top of the bowl, hand roll some hash. I'm all set. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing too, is if we're going to have all these combinations of, you know, cannabinoids and terpenes and seasons, I mean, the, the amount of plants or the, or the number of kinds of plants we can have in varieties is like, basically endless so i feel like you know there's there's going to be enough room for everyone to be able to do their breeding and their projects and they're growing the way they they want to do it um that's pretty that's, exciting and to think yeah. about the breakthroughs that can come from that like it's wide open like we're just getting started you know now i mean because if you think about the the prohibition of this plant is really held back the development and the research and that's where we're at right now is development and research. It's like, you know, we got 80 to 100 years to catch up on in the next, you know, five to 10 years. Yeah. You know? Especially now, too, with the ability to do like gene marking and, and genetically modifying and all this other stuff. Yeah, it's it's crazy that we're just starting out with this plant at this point where, uh -huh. you know, something like hybrid sweet corn or whatever is like. I don't even know where you could really go. All with mapped that out. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what do you do now? You can just, <laughs> I guess, modify it some more, but yeah. And, you know, it's, there's only so much you can do with corn, but, you know, cannabis is like between, you know, grain and food to fiber to different medicines. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, yeah. yeah that's interesting that you brought up uh, the, the genetic technology too, because, it's definitely something to be accounted for in the, the new paradigm with uh, development and research. Um, a lot of people uh, don't like to hear about that type of work, but I, I do think it has some relevance. I don't think it has all relevance. Uh, I think that it, it could help speed projects up, but at the same time, if that's all you're relying on, it could help slow them down too. I think it's going to be a blend between what we've always done and known with these new technologies. And if we're just standing completely on the, the basis of science and these new technologies, then I don't know about that so much. I, I feel like there's some, um, there's a bunch of utility in the way things have always been done. I mean, this plant developed over a long course of time with humanity without any cut and splice. So I'm not saying that cut and splice doesn't have any validity as a tool and a means to an end, but I think that the real works of art are going to come from the blending of these new technologies and tools with the way that things have always worked, which is just traditional action. Yeah, definitely. So I hope I don't get attacked by scientists for saying that, but it doesn't matter. I've been attacked by all kinds of biotechnologists when I get talking about that. So oh, man. as soon as you touch that topic, you get it from both sides. You know what I mean? 
right? There's some people that if you're like, I don't know, you put it the wrong fertilizer on something, they have a meltdown. And there's other people where if you're right. not doing, I don't well, know, some just, crazy gene editing, it's like you're wasting your time. Just to, uh, just to gauge myself here a little bit. I'm, I'm surely, a, uh, I, I am a traditionalist, but I am, I am open at the same time to new ideas. So, so, uh, yeah, teach me what I need to know. Yeah. Have you, have you looked into the triploid? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've been following that a little bit. That's exciting, you know? And, and I mean, these, you know, these new ideas and and following these new ideas, this is what's going to bring the breakthroughs, you know, and the breakthroughs really haven't only haven't happened because of, uh, you know, the, the lockdown on uh, research and development. So, so yeah, so that it's, it's all extremely exciting, you know, and the breakthroughs could lead to, a, I mean, a whole nother type of cannabis for all we know, you know, or imagine a cannabis plant that even produces other medicinal compounds. I mean, that's already happening in other crops. So, you know, I, I know that's, I don't want to scare anybody. I know that's a little pharma tech, but, <laughs> but it, it could have some utility. Oh yeah. In this de- world. Definitely. Especially I see with um, the crossover with hops and cannabis too, and all that. And that's a whole other thing that's getting, getting to be pretty big now too with, with the terpenes and all that. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if there's anything else. You want to, I think we kind of touched on everything that I have on my end. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm setting up, uh, a website, uh, based off of, uh, it's going to be linked to my at high ground Ninja on IG Instagram. And, uh, it's not live yet. I've been working on it for quite a while. I'm still working out, um, how to deliver that platform Um, but uh one big part of that whole project is um really just to share a lot of my strain work and start letting go of it and letting it get out into the the world and and if people want to see what i've been working on and work with it um i'm kind of open to sharing it where before i wasn't really open to that my you know i'm trying to change with the times and uh and th- this is one aspect of that in my life is setting up a platform to share the strain work. Uh, one, the, the, the start of that whole project for me is testing and I'm testing everything before I release it. The only thing that I'm going to, that I am currently offering is the alien girl S one, my femmed alien girl. But outside of that, I have um, a pretty large, body of work that I've been building for quite a while and it's it's all regs and it's going to be the basis for the fem lines I'm going to start producing in the near future but the thing that's happening right now is testing all these reg crosses that I have so if anybody's interested in testing any of my gear I'm not asking for much. I'm asking for grow reports, photo documentation, conversation. Um, I also offer guidance and problem solving, troubleshooting um, as a part of that. So there's an exchange happening there. And, uh, and that's what's happening right now. So I've been pretty excited. I have testers running some of that gear now and uh whole process is and experience is um pretty uplifting and enlightening um to see what comes out of the work for other people in different situations different regions environments different growing styles and to uh be able to support other people working with my gear that has been pretty gratifying to uh just to help out where i can you know if someone's testing something for me and they run into an issue you know they reach out to me we talk about it and all of a sudden we've got it figured out and it's not a big deal and 
everybody learns, you know, they learn a little something about maybe a technique or a culture issue or something. And, and I'm learning how to, to deal with people because um, where I'm coming from in this whole game, say that it is like a game, uh, is that I never wanted to deal with people. And a part of my safety was not being known and not dealing with people. And uh, I've kind of come to the realization that that way of living uh, doesn't serve me anymore. And uh, I don't have to run around like an outlaw anymore. So, so I'm really uh, reaching out and, and uh, sharing and guiding. And uh, it's just, it's been pretty beautiful to see this unfold with, with the few testers that I have going now. But uh, I'm pretty excited about that because uh, it's helped me to realize that I really have a lot to offer. And uh, I've never really put myself in the position to understand that because I've been so busy protecting myself and my family, my liabilities and my livelihood. But um, I'm just a home grower in Colorado. So. <laughs> oh yeah. So that's that. Yeah. It's always easier to do with plants than it is with people. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the truth? Uh, well, is there anything else you want to plug quick your Instagram and or anything else yeah yeah you can check me out so um i'm diversified i've got uh i i've been doing uh adapting vegetable seed for high altitude since uh i've had a, a website offering my work in that realm since 2015 i've been doing that work as long as i've been working with cannabis so and that's at high ground gardens um on Instagram. I also have a website linked with that. That's uh, at highgroundgardens.com. And then my uh, handle on Instagram for my ganja work is at highgroundganja. And then just a, a real quick little plug, another project that I'm really excited about. Um, I spend a lot of time outdoors and in the mountains in solitude and nature. And uh, that's where I find my connection to spirit. And, and uh, through that, relationship i have uh discovered uh a raw mineral substance called shilajit and uh i've been working with the shilajit and taking it daily since last august so um and i'm uh, myself and uh, a business partner of mine have just launched our website to uh share that with the world which is pretty exciting because it was up until recently, it was pretty much uh, thought that the Shilajit only came from Asia, Russia, India, you know, other places other than the United States. Uh, there's recently been discoveries in Utah and now in Colorado. And, uh, and it, it's a, uh, it's a pretty amazing substance. It's uh, basically, it's a mineral supplement and it's a uh, fulvic acid and humic acid is the, the bulk of the mineral supplement, but it also has a host of micronutrient, mineral micronutrients as well. And I mean, just about every mineral you could think of, like it is pretty amazing. And it does, it has a lot of uh, health benefits for people and animals and plants. And that's another thing that I'm really excited about is the fulvic and humic acid uh, benefit to plants. And that's another thing that I'm working on and hoping to release within the next season or so is some supplements for plants based off this same substance. And you can check out our work on that at coloradoshilajit.com. That's Colorado, S-H-I-L-A-J-I-T.com. And there's a lot of information on there. Um, we've been running lab analysis on every batch that we pull out, process, and purify. And uh, we have a lot of friends and family that have been using it. And uh, there has been no side effects or issues it's been all positive, um, basically gives you an energy boost, hormone balancing, boost testosterone levels. I mean, 
the benefits just go on and on. So I'll just leave that there. If you're interested in something like that, check it out. If you want to reach out to me about that, feel free. There's contact info on the Colorado She Legit website, or feel feel feel, feel free to reach out to me on any any of my other platforms as well. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Brian. It's good talking to you as always. Well, that's it for this episode. I'd like to thank Brian for coming on again. You can find me on Instagram at Focus Seeds. You can also check out my website, focusseeds.com. I'm fully stocked on vegetable and herb seeds for the 2021 growing season. You can also support me on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash focusseedcast. You can send me an email, focusseeds at protonmail.com. Happy growing. Peace.